0: Welcome to the Between the Pages podcast, brought to you by Boldly Seeking Ministries. Join the conversation every other Wednesday with the team and other special guests as we navigate how we can live a bold faith in between the valleys and the mountaintops of life. This episode is sponsored by Lakeview Covenant Church, where together they pursue Christ and advance his priorities across the street and around the world. Now, let's get to this week's conversation welcome back to the between the pages podcast i am rebecca here with jenny hello um for those of you who are first-time listeners to the podcast If you haven't checked out the episode before this, this is part two of our Christmas series where we are diving deeper into more of a commentary on our Christmas study that we published last Christmas Mm -hmm. uh, for all of you. That study is in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and download it, write some of our commentary along the side margins. If you want to download it to do it yourself, we certainly encourage you to do so. Um, Last episode, we did a deep dive into week one, which is more of this kind of setting up the stage for the birth of Jesus. We talked about Mary, Joseph, Gabriel, Elizabeth, Zachariah, a lot of different people The travel to Bethlehem. What was that like? And we left off right before Jesus was born. And so that is where we are picking up the episode today where we are going to talk about the significance behind um the location where jesus was born how um he was cared for right when he was born but then also moving forward into a few other different characters throughout the nativity story some of which have been um very prevalent i would say in Mm. how we read the christmas story today but there's one in particular that we kind of sometimes forget That I'm actually really excited to talk about two people, actually. Yeah. When we were reviewing this, it was two people that we kind of forget that just give us a deeper dive into how can we, and my favorite quote from the last episode was unexpected things can happen at unexpected times and that can be our biggest blessings. So how is this Christmas story preparing us for the unexpected time of Jesus' second coming when it will be at a very unexpected time, but Mm -hmm. it will be our biggest blessing because at the end of the day. When Jesus returns, we get to live with him forever. Right, right. And so here we are. We're starting into week two. Grab your pencils, (laughs) grab your notebooks, grab your Bible, um, and let's dive a little deeper in. So the nice thing with this, so Meg was actually the one that wrote week two. She unfortunately is not here with us today. Uh, But I think it will be really interesting for us to take what Meg wrote to our perspective, giving a commentary on what we're reading. So Meg kind of starts off in week on uh, week 2 day 1 just kind of this introduction like the holiday season can be really stressful it can be sometimes sad, chaotic, joyful. I know for me this is our first christmas without my aunt. And so just kind of preparing my heart for a little bit of the sadness behind that. Yeah, yeah. Um but also like the joy at the same time mm-hmm. that there's still joy And that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus, um, the birth of the one who would save us all. And so I guess, Jenny, for you, what has kind of the holiday season been like? Where, like kind of answering this question that Meg brings up, where are you at this holiday season?
1: Yeah, I think like this is the second christmas that ben and i have been married so trying to figure out like where your traditions lie and like whose families do you visit and it can be a stressful time like buying presents for two families now instead of just like your own family i think is a little bit hard and i really with this like whole taking back time to really look at the advent season has been like i don't know just a good heart check for me and for ben too probably um just really like going over these verses has been really important to to like really just go past the nativity story where it usually stops like at christ's birth and then it's like now we move on to presents or brunch or whatever it is those christmas traditions and looking further after the birth of christ and what is happening and those other characters that we'll mention later and just really just looking into like the prophetic wisdom behind all the things that are happening in these scripture verses is important i think
0: yeah yeah so we left off last episode where Mary, they just enter into Bethlehem. Mary is in labor. Joseph is, f- I honestly, I'm going to put it in this terms. He's probably freaking out because he wants to have this best place for Mary to give birth. That's comfortable. That's warm. That's safe. That is um a place where if they need help, they can get help yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, Because also this, like, I would say... I feel like Joseph kind of felt as a husband and now a soon to be father like this expectation of uh, providing the best for his son who is the son of God. Yeah. <laughs> like what? And so where we're going out of as far as uh scripture references is Luke 2 verses 6 and 7. 2 verses. That's it. That we are focusing on. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden they are told that they can go to the stable. It's surrounded by livestock. Mary's in labor at this point. They don't know how long until she's actually starting to to push and give yeah, birth. Yeah. And so they're Joseph Joseph is doing everything he can to make it comfortable. And just kind of putting yourself in Mary's shoes as a young mother, like she probably also had these expectations of where she wanted to give birth to her firstborn son, let alone the king of the world and also going through the emotional side like a part of why we're doing this is to dive deeper into this emotional dimension of christmas and of the nativity story and how you know sometimes i think we almost look past it like mary felt every single labor pain right <laughs> like she she was not bypass of that because she was no. carrying the son of yeah, um, god yeah. but she felt every single labor pain and so Luke 2, 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there's no guest room available for them. And there's a lot that's going on.
1: In those two verses. In those two verses.
0: And I love, love, love this question that Meg brings up. How can one of the most important, if not the most important, moments in our faith be only two sentences
1: that's it yeah
0: i want to read that again because it's like a mic drop (laughs) moment how can one of the most important if not the most important moments in our faith be only two sentences like the minute that jesus was born the almost i would say the trajectory of mankind changed because we now had a savior and the messiah on the world that would one day save us where we would now have direct access to him. But the thing that I love most is, yes, it's two sentences, but it's so weighty in the symbolism. So in, I would say, cultural background, and I don't remember what pastor was preaching on this. I think it was Pastor Dave last Christmas was talking about the symbolism behind different things of um the nativity story. Yeah. So they're in a stable, It's the lowliest of low places. Right. Not clean,
1: not sanitary, not a hospital. Right. Right. It's
0: like, it's dirty. It's probably smelled really bad. So first off, it's not a nice place. Secondly, when he's born, he is placed into a feeding trough that is used for animals. And the second thing is he is swaddled in a cloth that is typically used for baby lambs. Now, the Lamb of God. The symbolism that I love is the fact that, you know, Jesus came to be with us. And he was born in the worst of places more than us, to yeah. be honest. Like, yeah. I would say you were probably born in a hospital. Yeah. So was I. <laughs> yeah. and But he was born in a stable. The second thing is the way that he was slept in a feeding trough the way that he was swaddled in cloth like a lamb is this idea of like the sacrifice behind what he was about to do and just in two sentences and I'm going to find that sermon and I'm going to link it in the show notes because it was so good and I feel like I'm not doing it justice right now but I would say like my eyes opened up so much more to the symbolism behind why God designed certain things to happen? Why did God design Mary and Joseph to have to go back to Bethlehem? Because there's a symbolism in why Bethlehem, to begin with, but then also the symbolism behind the stable, the feeding trough, the way that he was swaddled. So in the show notes, I'm going to link that um, sermon. For you guys to listen to because I encourage you to not only listen to this podcast, download the study and also listen to the sermon as well. Do a really big deep dive into the story because I think you are just going to have your eyes totally opened to just the divine plan that God had. It's like simple and complex at the same time. Absolutely. Because
1: the simplicity of those two sentences like it did it change the trajectory of the world. But it's also complicated in how much thought and planning and prophetic word was poured into this years before jesus was born like coming out of the house of david and being born in bethlehem and all these things were prophesied years and years and years before even like mary knew she was going to be pregnant with jesus and it just like the simplicity of the nativity story is carried on with the people who promoted his birth, too. As we get into, like, day three, it's talking about the shepherds and the angels. And the shepherds were, like, the first people besides Joseph and Mary to hear about the birth of, like, the Son of God. And the shepherds weren't high people. There weren't, like, kings or princes or people who were high up there. They were pretty low and kind of, like, not really people that you talk to much in those days. And for God to directly send... Angels, like a chorus of angels to those shepherds that that night and say like come see the the king of everybody like the whole world um right it's pretty cool
0: can you imagine like for the shepherds to be like a very low class like they're out in the fields like all night watching the flocks to then almost feel this sense of like okay you have this Great company of the heavenly hosts appearing, like praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. OK, hold up. Like these shepherds, the lowest class in society. Yeah. Like these angels are saying like peace to those on whom his favor rests. So like obviously God has favor on the shepherds. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden like this cloud is bright and there's so much chorus singing. What's interesting and I don't. This is like a question I think I would ask God when I'm in heaven. It's like, did anyone else hear the angels, or was it yeah. just them? I don't know. Yeah. Because like I would say, if there's like fifty angels, like probably hear that throughout the entire That'd city. Be pretty loud. Yeah. But it's like, was it just them that heard it? And I, I in the story, yes, in this. But I'm just like, how far did that, like the sound decibel? Maybe they're
1: way out there. Right. Yeah. And so
0: like just like these like random questions that you're like, oh wait, what? Which is still so good because after um the angels leave they head to bethlehem and they find joseph and mary and the baby lying in a manger and uh, they saw him and all of a sudden they were like we need to tell people about this they're almost like i would say the first i would go as far to say the shepherds are almost the first disciples In a way, like they were the first to proclaim the message of and I actually really never thought about that till now of like, (laughs) you know, you think the first disciples were Peter and Andrew, you know, the 12. But it's like almost like God was like these shepherds are going to be the first messengers, first quote unquote disciples to go out and share this news that the Messiah is here. And I think that in itself is cool because, you know, I think there's times where we feel like we're unworthy or we feel that we don't deserve what God gives us or we don't deserve to be in favor with the Lord sometimes. But to remind us that whenever you feel unworthy to have a seat at his table, remember who has called Or who was called to herald the birth of Jesus.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Like whenever you feel unworthy to have a seat at his table, remember who was called to herald his birth. He called the shepherds, those who felt really unworthy because of the way the class society worked back then. But God had favor on them and he sent them out as the first messengers to proclaim that the Messiah is here. And that's incredible. And sometimes now, like when I feel unworthy, I'm like no like God called even the lowest of shepherds in this situation it's important to remember like
1: God's good news is for everyone because Mary felt unworthy to be carrying the son of God and these shepherds are like who what me like are you talking to me right now like they felt unworthy and God's good news is for everyone no matter where your background is or where you're coming from or your family or if we grew up in the church or not it's like God's good news is for everyone and that's like the beauty and simplicity of the nativity story. Who else visited Jesus after he was born?
0: Yeah, and I think before we get to oh, that sorry. <laughs> just, No, you're good because you're right on track. The coolest thing of the story is like he had God doesn't doesn't class us differently. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't class us like earth like the world classes us. Like you have your high class and your middle class and your low class and all these things. Like yeah. he views us all the same. And the cool part of this story is not only did he have both the heavenly divine as the angels and the most humble shepherds, which is the lowest class on that was on earth at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, very two ends of the spectrum on the social chain came together to share the good news. And we also see that from a society standpoint on earth with this story too, because not yeah. only do you have the shepherds who are the lowest Class, But then you have now the wise men who are considered the highest class in um, the times of Jesus. And so now we have the wise men or some of you guys call them the Magi. Yeah. And we're taking this out of Matthew 2 verses 1 through 12. Jenny, give us a little bit of a rundown on um kind of day four and the wise men's experience yeah
1: so typically we think that there's three of them but i think that's just kind of like our general synopsis of it because we don't really know exactly how many we just think of three because there is three gifts that they brought so i just want to make note of that too so they were studying the stars and they were very like in tune to what god was trying to tell them and like the prophecies and things like that so they were looking at the stars and they figured out that oh, this star is above Bethlehem and this is the one that's telling us that the Messiah is going to be born there. So they traveled to Bethlehem, probably taking all of their belongings and with them. And, um, they visited King Herod too, because they were trying to just walk to Bethlehem and they found, hang on, I'm going to find that verse. It's in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Um, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd the people of Israel. So they were very in tune to, like, what was happening and where they were going. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. So Herod was talking with the Magi because he knew how, like, prophetically in tune they were. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I, too, may go and worship him. Kind of setting up for, like, foreshadowing, huh?
0: Right. And so, uh, kind of them piggybacking off of Jenny. So they go, and they are following the star. Kind of this idea of almost, like, we consider... um god and the holy spirit like our true north yeah like our true north star the star of bethlehem in a way and so they are following the star and they come upon uh in in it it says the house but i think they were still in the stable i don't think they moved yeah. out of it they're still in the stable so they come upon the stable and they see the child with his mother and they bow down and worship him they open their treasures and presented him with gold frankincense and myrrh and in uh the in the the sermon that I'll link in the show notes again, <laughs> uh, Pastor Dave. I really hope it was Pastor Dave because now his name is out into the world. <laughs> but um, in that sermon, it goes through the symbolism of why was it gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Each gift, yeah. Which I don't have it written down. I really wish I did. That might just be another like, like special episode. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but as after they kind of were spending time with mary joseph and the baby they were were bowing down giving him gifts like i also like just imagining it from mary and joseph's perspective of like so you have these shepherds and the angels and it doesn't necessarily tell us if they all showed up at one time right or if it was different times days or weeks later um there is some versions and commentary out there where it was months after jesus was born where the shepherds and the angels were were there and then the wise men were there Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't necessarily have that timeline per se but like could you imagine like you're sitting there and you come in contact with the lowest class society then all of a sudden you have these wise men walking towards you carrying these majestic beautiful gifts and you're because i mean they're not gonna just hand over a chunk of gold they're gonna be in this like fancy container probably jeweled everything but then like almost being like okay we could buy a really nice house with this like thank you for being born jesus but they looked past that of how were they vessels now of sharing the gospel to true anyone Yeah. yeah in society and the thing was is if you go back to um in matthew where you know, after Herod, Herod called the Magi and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, like, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship. Yeah. And um, they were the wise men are kind of warned in a dream mm-hmm. um, not to go back to Herod. Yeah. And they didn't really necessarily know why. So they went back to their country another route. And all of a sudden, like the word had been spread like spread um some men in higher standings kind of um were coming to pay like their respects to the king and they stopped by the house of king herod and king herod is upset at the magi because i mean he was probably thinking they haven't found him yet like what's taking so long but they found out that the magi were warned to go home to not go to herod so he's furious yeah um and, oh, here we go. Meg knew. <laughs> Meg knew. Gold <laughs> is meant to symbolize Jesus' royal status. yeah. frankincense frankincense is meant to denote deity. And myrrh is an embalming oil, which was which can mean death or suffering. Mm-hmm. Literally, the prophecy j- Jesus is to fulfill, spelt out in the gifts from three strange uh nobleman yeah like his royal status of gold (laughs) the frankincense to denote deity but then also myrrh this symbolism of what will soon um represent his death and it's so like the simplicity and the
1: interest intricacy is like just yeah it blows your mind because all these things Aren't really like that big of a deal until you learn about those symbolisms and, like, wait, what that means? This and like, this is prof- prophesied like years before that. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, that
0: is something that you know, diving deeper and why I love kind of doing these sort of podcast episodes is even in our own writing, like, we were the ones that wrote this, like, not this one in particular, yeah, but you yeah. almost find different things that you never would have thought about until you're talking about it with someone else. Or, or even listening about it. Like, I don't know how many of you who are listening or watching on our YouTube channel have actually thought about the symbolism, why the wise men chose gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And to be honest, I don't really know if they actually knew the symbolism behind, like, I mean, I'm sure they did. But yeah. like, oh, we're bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right. But it's like, to think about, like, there was a w- reason why those were chosen yeah. in the divine plan of God.
1: That's so crazy. Should we move on to day five?
0: Yes. All right. So we get a little bit
1: into knowing about Herod. So as we learned a little bit already that the wise men were supposed to go back to Herod and tell him, like, oh, the king is over here. You can go worship him. But because they were warned in that dream, like, nope, Herod's up to no good. Don't go back to him. Take a different route home. And Joseph actually was given a warning, too, because Herod was not only upset that like a messiah is born in his area, but he was also like taken aback because he thought his power would be taken by this new king. He's like, I don't want a new king. I'm the king. Like let's get rid of this baby. I want to not go and worship him, but like destroy him and take him out. So Joseph was warned also by Herod's plans from an angel and Joseph woke up and was like, Okay, we got to escape to Egypt. We have to get away from here because Herod is going to want to kill our child. We have to protect him. He's the Messiah. And we are going to flee to Egypt because Herod is going to come after him. So, they just had a baby. We don't know, again, how many months or weeks afterwards, but I can imagine it's like, there's just no break for them. It's just go, go, go. They had to move to Bethlehem, and then from there, they're fleeing to Egypt, And but it's also to fulfill like what the Lord has been saying through the prophets, like, out of Egypt I called my son. Like That's prophetic word that we can read earlier on in Scripture. And when Herod, you were saying too, he was like furious when he realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was so upset and he he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. He's like, if I can't go to this quote unquote king and kill him, I'm just going to kill all the boys and try to take him out, which is so scary that like that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And we see
0: this, um, kind of this idea of prophecy of kind of what you're saying. So with Herod, um, making orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and yeah. its vicinity who were two years old and under. So right. wasn't quite all of them, but it was looking at the timeline of the star and the magi and everything. Herod probably went to his kind of council and was like, okay, people, how old do we think he is right now? And choosing two years old and younger, but we look um, at the prophet Jeremiah um, and the prophecy in uh, the book of Jeremiah, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So you have like out of Egypt, I will call my son, but all of a sudden you have this like dark sense of death and suffering um, that would happen. And, you know, you think of christmas time being this like joy to the world right the lord has come kind of idea um but i think there is so much like depth though too like could you imagine like yes the son of the world has been here but at the same time weeks or months later like an entire age group of young boys has been i hate to say it but massacred basically and it's easy to wonder about and i think sometimes we still struggle about this and i think this is definitely going to be a later episode of um, it's easy to wonder about how God can be good and allow things like that to happen.
1: Absolutely, right.
0: And I think, you know, any time where we're in a valley and we're like, God, how, like, how could you let this happen? At the same time, just like remind yourself, like God is faithful and he will be faithful to you even in that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you look at, herod's story compared to pharaoh in exodus Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know when moses is trying to get the people out um, from pharaoh's i would say pharaoh's kind of rule and his slavery that he had going on um, god said that he would harden pharaoh's heart and whenever moses would work on his behalf god would harden pharaoh's heart Um, but that doesn't mean actually hardening his heart Um, if you look at it uh, pharaoh's heart was like clay and from your teach science <laughs> um but when you add heat to clay it becomes hard and rigid um, but when you add water it becomes malleable and when god moves our hearts our hearts become clay move to do his works god doesn't want to harden pharaoh's heart but pharaoh's heart is like s- the clay in the sun yeah and very similar to say that with herod's heart too yep. in this story like he's so consumed by jealousy and power that mm-hmm. he cannot bear the thought of another king being born yeah let alone a king with far more power right. and um just kind of rule than he does and unfortunately through that like herod fulfilled another prophecy one of rachel which is the mother of israel weeping for her lost children and then even though God didn't want that to happen, the prophecy isn't necessarily God ordained. And I think that's a whole other like level of things. Right, right. But God knew that his son would repel Herod. And so the prophecy was predicted and then fulfilled. And so many times in our lives, I think when bad things happen, we can, like I said, quickly ask like God why. And to beg and plead for God to give us an answer of why bad things happen. But sometimes he is just right beside us protecting us from something worse mm-hmm. and us being armed with God others can harden and yeah. not like in a kind of like what I s- said in like a bad sense but hardened to this idea of like the clay yeah yeah
1: that's important for our own walking in faith like taking a reflection and thinking like is my heart being hard right now am I able to be shaped and formed and is God using me for a different purpose than what i in like originally thought am I able to be folded and mended and like perfected of what God is wanting me to do or am I being that hard rigid clay that's not willing to move at all
0: yeah and so with um Mary and Joseph like Joseph getting a dream that Herod is about to um go after all of the boys in Bethlehem under two years of age he yeah. calls them to flee to Egypt mm-hmm. and we are then met in Luke 2 22-35 a person that I honestly like i I'm, I'm gonna full disclosure this because no one's perfect is i sometimes just bypass this whole section yeah and when we were like kind of like looking over this i was like who is this person right like how like how does check. this all fit into the narrative of the nativity story and it's a prophecy of simeon and so luke 2 22 through 35 and i just want to spend a little bit more time on this because i think you have this whole, like the prophecies being fulfilled, but then yeah. once we get to the prophecy of Simeon, so now we're talking to all these prophecies, so <laughs> stick with us, Hang friends. in there. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, we see this idea of great faith. So I just want to read uh, 22 through 35 really yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So it was told to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. The the Messiah. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Continuing on. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Whoa. That's like
1: the joy to the world moment for sure.
0: Honestly, <laughs> honestly. And it continues on. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Like, I'm actually really glad megan ended with this because it's so so powerful because all of a sudden you have simeon who is a great man of faith Mm -hmm. he has been trusted by the lord for so long like the he had so much favor on him and the holy spirit said like you would not die before you saw the messiah yeah and to have like all of a sudden this great faith of knowing Like, when you give your all to the Lord, blessings begin to unfold. He had the greatest plans for us. And Simeon held on to hope that God would fulfill his promise. And that promise is you would not die before you saw the Messiah. So much more that he gave the wisdom to know the face of the Messiah at first sight. He knew. He knew the minute that Mary and Joseph walked in with Jesus that that was the Messiah. He'd never met them before. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was probably thinking on the side of Mary and Joseph, like, how freaky would that be? Yeah,
1: like, who is this guy?
0: (laughs) Honestly. But I love, love, love how at the end, like, it's almost this, like, cultivation moment where the minute that he saw Jesus and he held Jesus in his arms and praising God, like, like, God, you are faithful and you'll be faithful to me. To then say, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Like, he was then, like, almost, like, this whole thing of, like, okay, I saw, like, knowing the great faith of, to basically say, God, I can join you in heaven now. Like, I saw the face of the Messiah. Like, could you imagine, Jenny, if I was Mary holding Jesus, that you would have the greatest faith to be, like, that is Jesus, and now I'm ready to go. My life has been complete now. Yeah. That's amazing. that kind of faith, like, that's the faith that I want.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Like,
0: that's the faith that I want, similar to Simeon, to, like, to be able to look at something and be like, that's it. Yep. And to have the great faith to do whatever that is or to um see the love of Jesus or to see the face of God in something.
1: Yeah. Like what? I know. And if it weren't for Herod and like, even though that was a terrible thing that happened, this massacre of, of children, Mary and Joseph wouldn't have fled to Egypt. They wouldn't have met up with Simeon at that time. So it's all coming together at this end of the story of the nativity. It's like, Simeon was there he was at the temple praying probably doing his regular duties and then Mary and Joseph come because of Herod's like massacre his command to hurt these children and Joseph got this warning to flee to Egypt so all of this is like really just coming together at the end of the story and wrapping things up of like Simeon was there waiting for them and he knew like this is my time and I'm going to walk up to these people I don't really care what they think about me right now I'm just gonna tell them and give them this huge blessing because Simeon knew all the things that were happening even if Mary and Joseph didn't see it right away too.
0: Absolutely and I think you know taking things into today's standpoint like Simeon laid everything down before the Lord he gave everything and nothing less of that yeah and You know, when we lay things down at the Lord, like we, things begin to unfold when we give our all to the Lord, when we give our anxiety, when we give our stress, when we give our depression, when we give our unknown, when we give our fear to the Lord, blessings begin to unfold. And that's what happened with Simeon is like, he didn't know, he didn't know, but he believed that God was faithful and he would be faithful to him of that. He would see the face of the Messiah before he was to leave this earth. And I think we see that that idea of giving everything and nothing less throughout the entire Nativity story. Yeah. Like from the moment that Gabriel met with Mary to the minute that uh Joseph got the dream that um he had to flee Bethlehem. Like they were probably starting to just become comfortable and established. And yeah, yeah. to all of a sudden be like you have to flee to Jerusalem kind of thing. And then, like, to the Magi, like, just giving everything and nothing less and then going the opposite way for the shepherds to give everything and nothing less of that. And uh, um, to kind of, I would say, wrap all of us up together, since the moment that Jesus was born, he has never asked for us to come to him partially, leaving behind what we think isn't good enough. Yeah. And I think that's important because, you know, you had the shepherds and the wise men, people on very different ends of the social totem pole that, you know, for me to just fully be at the feet of Jesus, like God is wanting all of me. He's not wanting only the good parts of me or only the bad parts of me. He wants all of me to be with him. Like, you know, the things that in my life that I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not good at that or, like, I'm struggling with this. Like, I'm just going to leave that because I have to be perfect in the eyes of God. Like, God already sees you as perfect with or without your flaws. Right. But he's calling us not to come to him partially, but to come to him fully with everything and nothing less of that. And whether that is... um, like your worries or your joys, your triumphs, your sadness, emotions, like bringing all of yourself and all the worst and all the best parts into the throne room. Like you think of how can we bring all of ourselves into the valleys? How can we bring all of ourselves into the mountaintops that we experience in life? But how can we also bring all of ourselves into everyday life Yeah, to the throne room? Like that is the whole concept of this podcast is how do we bring everything and nothing less to Jesus every single day no matter what season we're in right no matter what direction we're trying to figure out where to go and I think this holiday season can be really difficult for people Um, emotions can be high a lot of internal thinking and I want to challenge you guys today um, to just sit with the questions um, that we have in the study Um, there's questions at the each uh, at the end of each uh, day Mm -hmm. and To just reflect, reflect on the fact that one of the biggest moments in history took place and the people that were able to witness this incredible sight as Jesus were the least of these. That absolutely doesn't mean that you're not welcome to the same joy and excitement. Because seriously, God is joyful calling you to come over Mm -hmm. to see the majesty and the beauty found in the new life and the new covenant that God um, has because of the birth of his son like you could be struggling so much but that doesn't mean that you can't still find the joy in God calling you to come sit at the table with him even if you feel unworthy there is still a table a seat at the table for you and I'm so excited because I do think that you know, this study and, um, there's still another week and we're not going to dive totally into week three, but I encourage you to download the study and dive into week three because, um, not only are we going to wrap up into, um, the escape to Egypt, but we're also going to just talk about how does all of this like kind of culminate into what we know as Easter Yeah, and going forth that, you know, Jesus was, he was born, he lived on earth and he died and rose again. And no matter what, he is still calling you to come sit at the table with him and all that you are to give everything and nothing less to surrender it all. Mary surrendered it all. She's like, I don't know what's about to happen. I'm going to be an outcast in society. Um, Elizabeth and Zachariah surrendered yeah. it all and gave everything and nothing less. Even though Zachariah, yes, like was a little skeptical. But at the end is like he still gave his all. Right. Like he could have like, if you're not talking for such a long time, could you imagine like how depressed he could be? Yeah. But he still chose to live mm-hmm. and to be there for Elizabeth. Yeah. And for Mary and Joseph to give everything to go to Bethlehem for the wise men giving everything every single person in the nativity gave everything and nothing less and God had called them to sit at the table in that moment to experience the joy and the fullness of seeing the face of the Messiah and I think ending with Simeon and the joy that he had on his face you know that's the joy I want on my face going into each day yeah yeah So Jenny, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode?
1: I'm just thinking of like the title of this whole study is a walk to Bethlehem. It's not, um, it's a walk of faith too. We see so many examples like you're listing and all the characters showed an act of faith or trusting in God and like not to do it on your, your own strength. And if this is kind of a hard week for you, like we encourage you to like find someone to read it with or find a mentor or like even just ask these questions to your pastor or someone else that you're trusting, like a lot of these things can be hard to go with as it's the Christmas season and it's it's kind of hard for a lot of people it's tough and family members and balancing everything like that so just taking into consideration like a walk to Bethlehem isn't a sprint it's not something that you have to do quickly or if you want to read this in January and continue it on as you start your new year too, like really do that as you take a step in Advent and figuring out how you can spread Lent and Advent and like those kind of holidays throughout the whole year and living every day as a step of faith as every day you're walking to Bethlehem in your own in your own journey with your with your Savior.
0: So good. It's so good. Well friends, uh as we said before, all of the links to everything is going to be in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. If you would like to join a really big Bible study group, honestly. Yeah, it's um, so cool we at the end of each episode are sending our insider team a more of a deep dive study guide into what we talk about on the episode. So I encourage you to click that link in our show notes to sign up. It takes 20 seconds. It's just your email. You'll get a fun little welcome email from us, um, but then you'll be a part of a team that's really big right now, which is so fun. And um, to be able to create such a tight knit community with people that just really want to take that next step um, with brothers and sisters from different areas of life and different um chapters in their life too and we'll also have a link to this study that you can download directly onto a computer your phone ipad yeah. wherever you want feel free to download it and print it off um, so that you can go through and walk to bethlehem yourself and we want to thank you merry christmas happy new year we just want to uh, send you off with a blessing of uh, the season no matter how hard um, or difficult the season may be that you just find the joy in seeing the face of the messiah this holiday season and we just hope that you guys have the best christmas um, our team is really excited just to take a couple weeks off to enjoy family time um, to then start the new year off with just getting ready for year three of boldly seeking which is incredible yep. And as always, friends, make sure you like, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, hit that notification button, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere you can find us. um, We'll be there. And we will be there to walk to Bethlehem with you. So thank you, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year.